Hello and welcome to Please Watch This. We're a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely and for the 112th time I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, are you? how are you, my friend? Hello, Sam. I am good, thank you. I like how you actively are keeping count. Um, I, I, I like that. I, I know what number yeah. it is because I, I write in the file each week, but but it doesn't it doesn't matter. No, because I've actually I've actually spoken to you more than one hundred and twelve times. What in our lives? Yeah, it's in at, our least, lives, at least least one hundred thirteen. Just this is the exactly we had to, well we had to arrange the podcast in the first place, so at yeah. least into the triple dig. Into the triple dig. Have you been up to any film? Have you seen any films this week, Hugh? No, <laughs> unfortunately, I haven't. We really Sorry, don't watch enough films. <laughs> no, I was I was quite busy this week. I went back to playing Five Aside. So marvelous. Are um, you feeling the doms? No, because I've never. You don't get doms from that kind of workout. But I did did I did Five Aside, and that was everything I did all week after that because I was in so much because <laughs> I was so sore on the Monday uh, sorry on the the Wednesday and the Thursday after I did it and then I could not be asked going today Fair enough. to the gym that is yeah 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 of course that's more than that's more exercise than I've done Hugh but we're not here to talk about that you'll be uh, surprised to know yeah we're well, not well, here well, to talk about what film. about you Sam have you seen any films this week let's check Letterboxd because I am a dickhead oh because you keep score of these things yeah uh, the can, only film, can the, the only, viewers only, just while you, before that can the viewers mm. the viewers we don't have viewers we have listeners we don't have viewers Not if yet, you've got any I mean, viewers then I, I need yeah. to close the curtains <laughs> so can the listeners I don't know why I said viewers there that's weird isn't it oh, mm. my mind must be somewhere else uh, so can the listeners can they actually view your letterbox thing? Because I don't have letterbox because I'm not a dickhead yeah. like you. Yeah, if they want do have, to. Do I you have like a could. username that they can search and see it? Yeah, why not? Why not? Do you want to why give not it get out, a bit or? of promotion on my letterbox um, yeah. for some reason? It's Schmam, S C H M A M 121. Schmam121. Yeah, I mean, I really don't watch as many films as you might expect from a film podcaster. You know, I really do want to be more filmy but uh, especially in the autumn months it's been very hard finding the energy at the end of a long day to watch to sit in front of a film. television to watch a film yeah I just find I'm just having dinner watching some YouTube videos or football actually a lot of Champions League this week and then going to bed and yeah. a, pro- a proper film buff would see that as not an excuse uh, so really the only other film I've seen this week is uh, Home Alone Oh, classic! Little known, little known classic. Uh, yeah, flick. I mean, it was my daughter's, <laughs> my daughter's choice, and it's it's a ten out of ten film, isn't it? It's a perfect Christmas film. It's bloody great. Uh, so if you do follow me on Letterbox, everyone, I'm, I don't leave reviews. I just log things. I've also been making a list of all the films I've made, I've watched this year, and again, not film buff numbers, but I'm now up to 105 for the year, uh, which you know, proper film buffs bash out in a month. <laughs> I don't think they'd quite do 105 in a month. Oh, you should see some of the letterbox tickets really? on Facebook, yeah, really? on Twitter. I am, this like, is... So it's like, oh, post your letterbox numbers, and it's like 300 every month. And wow. they're, clearly, they're clearly logging short films, and they're clearly just watching films so they can add up their add to their tally. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't do that. I've got, I've got things a to do. A lot of people do average two or more films a day, and I think, well, get a job. <laughs> or watch other stuff you know like yeah. most of my most of my viewing is TV or YouTube stuff yeah. really yeah. or a bit of football but anyway yeah. I've been we're watching. not used to shit on film viewers that would yeah. be terrible I've been watching <laughs> loads of YouTube videos about wrestling the last I, I don't even I haven't watched a wrestling show in years right but yeah. I am eternally <laughs> but fascinated you listen to three podcasts every yeah, week <laughs> I, I'm eternally fascinated by the era of wrestling that I grew up when I did watch it and yeah, I have this. There's weird so many untold stories that are, I mean, you know, wrestle me for me is the, yeah. is the one. Uh, shout out to those much more successful podcasts than us. Um, anyway, yeah, let's let's move aside because let's. somebody might have clicked on this episode because they love the film yeah. Green Room from 2015. And apologies to those people uh, for those four and a half minutes of your life have just wasted not talking about Green Room. So let's get right into it, Hugh. What, if anything, did you know about Green Room before you watched it? So I knew it was one of Anton Yelchin's last films. Yeah. Uh, the Gone Too Soon uh, actor. And, yeah, so I knew it was one of his, 
Like, but it, it, yeah, I knew it was one of his films. I knew Patrick Stewart was in it because I'm a closet Star Wars buff. And are you out Star Star Trek? Yeah, fan. I am now. Yeah, even yeah. though you just said Star Wars, did I say Star Wars? <laughs> Please, my head's not in the game tonight, is it? Use the I, Force, Harry. I need to. Yeah, I need to go to bed, man. <laughs> I need to sleep. Wake up. We'll start again tomorrow. You know. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm a you know I'm a bit of a Star Trek fan. So yeah, I knew he was in it. Um, I, I, I kind of just I didn't know about Jeremy Solnier is that how you pronounce his name? that's right yeah I didn't know about him obviously when this film came out so I kind of just I, 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 to be honest Sam I got it kind of a little bit missold to me I, I, I thought it was more of a horror film than say a sort of like you you know maybe a straw dogs but in reverse yeah, it's a funny one because it's it's uh, it's categorised as a horror thriller on but Wikipedia. And, I would never and it really dis- stretches what I what horror is. I, yeah, when we think horror, horror we tend to think of like home invasion, supernatural yeah. things. It's, it's, it's like horrific, a kidnapping film, it has, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it really does depend on what you, your um, your concept of horror is, I suppose. So you didn't really have much of an idea of the plot, I presume. No, I knew. No, I had an idea that the plot was about a band going off to these these. Um, like Skinhead, I knew enough about right. that because I think I listened to like uh, Mark Kerman and Simon Mayo talk about it a few years back when I still listened right. to um, Wittertainment, as I like to call it. So, and many others do, I imagine. Uh, so, I kind of had heard bits and pieces about it. I knew it was kind of a bit of a career vehicle for Anton Yelchin as well. So, yeah, I was, I, I knew a bit, but I didn't, I again. I didn't know as much as I thought I did, and I think yeah. I think it did get a bit missold, quite frankly, because to me yeah, it's not it's, a horror film. It's, it's horrifying. It's one, yeah, it's a hard one to sell. It's but that, I think that's what gives it that horror, or at least horror thriller edge. Uh, in the same way that people would say the lighthouse is a sort of horror film, it's just it's again it's a, it's a, it's a subjective um, it's a really loose genre definition. Um, so let me let me give you a bit of a recap on, on, on Green Room if you've not seen it if you've not seen it for a while if you just want a recap just to really feel what it's like to be in the film again it's 2015 it's Jeremy Solnier's follow up to Blue Ruin which we have covered in a previous episode I don't know a year and a half ago something like that um, and it is as you said it's about a band who are playing at a gig they get locked in the green room because they witness uh, you know unwitting witnesses to a murder and it's a bunch of absolute Nazis uh, Nazi skinhead punks um, trying to kill them they're trying to save off being killed and they're trying to escape and it, it, it you know all ensues in some violent bloodiness so Hugh uh, we are spoilerific as you know would you like to know why I like it so much yeah go ahead how, how did Good. you come about across this film well, what's your history with it given that it's quite a relatively new film this film actually in fact breaks our streak of doing films from basically 2005 <laughs> yeah, or 2004. yeah we're jumping 10 years into the future yeah. well this was as as is often the case recommended to me by our good friend Ben Dawson and uh, recurring guest our friend Ben shout out to Ben and all these projects yeah um yeah, he he, he uh, shared it with me. He must have shown it to me and then uh, visited me once and he put a bunch of films on my PlayStation uh, in November 2016. So I actually watched this film, you know, just about within a year of its release, which is fairly rare for me, actually, back in those days. Um, and I'd seen it once or twice years ago and hadn't really seen it since. I'm pretty sure I'd seen this before I saw Blue Ruin. And it was only when I listened to an excellent interview with Jeremy Solnier on the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith uh, podcast that I realised the, the link between the two and got some real insight into into the filmmaker. I really love Jeremy Solnier. I love his films, and I love him as well in, in interviews. He comes across as somebody who is completely uh, kind of not a cookie-cut filmmaker. As you know, I, I read a lot of books and watch a lot of YouTube videos about filmmaking and screenwriting and all those things, and as much as I like to follow those to understand it a little bit more, I love it when a filmmaker is completely not part of that. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favourite directors because his films don't make, don't follow any of those conventions and any of those rules about, well, you need to do this on page one and this on page 15. Jeremy Solnier is the same. You know, in, in this interview with Jeff Goldsmith, it just his process was not any of this kind of, you know, film school way of making films. And it was kind of seat of the pants stuff. He he's he's never one to write a film 
um, for money specifically. He'll, he'll just do it a passion project. And with Blue Marine, he did it basically off his own back, off credit cards and loans and remortgaging the house because he didn't want to be at the behest of anybody, really. Green Room, he had to do those things. It was a $5 million or so dollar budget. They did everything through unions, so it was kind of 10 times more, but ultimately got about the same... F- amount of stuff from it it's only five million for this film i i can obviously yeah. it's a, a film kind of set in one place and um you know i can see that there's not a massive budget when it comes to locations but i must admit i thought it probably probably spent more on it given you know yeah. the actors that it has in it and stuff like that well that's it the cast some of whom have become more f- familiar to us now than they were then like joe cole image and poots but also it looks beautiful there's a lot of you know there's dogs that means dog handlers that means all kinds of costs there's all kinds of gore which means all kinds of people there's you know there's um guns and, and knives and all this sort of stuff so there is a lot of cost to it but um some of the some of the things that he talked about costing a lot were were ridiculous he, he talked about how because they're using union pay he wanted to reverse the hinges on one door so it opened a different way to how it originally did he said they they, they said that's going to cost you three grand because people have to come in on the weekend and do this and do that so he, i think somebody just snuck in and just <laughs> did it did it in the night time over the weekend for you know, I mean, for free i mean I would have been like, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's it. Like three grand yeah. is half of primer. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, when you get to that sort of stuff, God knows what. Forty kind of minutes of primer for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you know, but he got he got his absolute money's worth for it, but didn't really make a lot of money, at least in in box office terms. But anyway, these are the things I love about it. I think it is a genuinely shocking film in terms of violence and gore, even to a, a you know people who are completely desensitized to that kind of stuff, like you and I. It's it, not in a kind of hostile sense or saw sense in that it's escalating more in just like a very real sense you know when he's when he gets slashed when Anton Yelchin's character Pat gets slashed in the arm and it just looks so real because it's just fleeting glances at this awful awful stuff it's so intriguing and so tense you know as soon as they get to this skinhead skinhead sort of compound uh, event that it's a bit intimidating a bit weird um, but then it's just this dingy back room uh, and you're building the tension well I think what's really good is that you the the people outside the green room who are trying to get in and kill them or trying to get them out so they can kill them in a way that looks uh, legitimate like they were, hadn't murdered them Macon Blair and Patrick Stewart's character and, and that, that team they do a good job of trying to convince the protagonists that they're not, they don't mean to hurt them at all but they absolutely do and you know that and, you, and I think they do a great balance of you see enough of Patrick Stewart's character Darcy talking to other people that you know that they mean to kill them but not so much that you know exactly what their plan is so uh, to jump a little bit into the film when they later try and get out of the green room as it's getting darker and nobody's initially there you do wonder so where is everybody how surrounded are they how fucked are they and so it is genuinely shocking again spoiler 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 everybody we are going to spoil this film genuinely shocking when the two remaining sort of strong male members of the band are immediately killed you know there's the guy you got the one guy whose arm has been chopped to chopped to shit and then you got the two women and they're just immediately killed and you do wonder okay you know what is their what is the plan of patrick stewart darcy's character and and how how in effect is it and i just think it's a wonderful thing he's just basically this gus fring character he's not acting on impulse and emotion he's Mm. methodical and he's tactical and you know they're they're really they're following the paper trail who knows that these people are here yeah Uh, you know if we killed them now how will that get to us what can we do to to make that not happen yeah yeah he really is a wonderful character Mm. anything Um, else you like about this film then yeah, a million things. Um, okay, but I'll well, just go with. I'll go with, I'll go with one other thing. I'll go with one other thing. The characters don't always make the best decisions, but I believe in the decisions they make at all points. I don't think they make the stupid horror decision of let's run upstairs, let's split up and run upstairs in a locked room where there's only one exit. You know, mm. they make some bad choices, but in the moment and the stress and the tension, I completely buy that they would make these bad choices. You know, I completely go for it because I wouldn't be great in that kind of situation either. Yeah. Um, in predicting your response to this, Hugh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you'll respond to this film right. because 
I, honestly, if I if I was to put a rating on what I think you'd give this, I think you'd give this a six or a seven, because it uh, isn't neat plotting, beginning, middle, and end in in any sort of traditional sense. Solier absolutely despises exposition, which is something that we really don't like, and I think you'll appreciate that with it. But I think something we were discussing, something we've discussed personally quite a lot, is that in Dune, like a lot of Denis Villeneuve films, you can't really feel emo- human emotions about a lot of these characters because they, you don't know much about them or they don't seem very human. Solier has not really given any backstory to any of these characters, and I think it's quite possible when certain characters die that you didn't really care that they died because you don't really know who they are. Uh, for me, I really like that because because it's it can be sort of a bit bullshit, cookie-cutter, this is how you write a film, where uh, an example he gives in that interview is, oh, uh, I wonder, will, will Pat, um, you know, be scared of the water when he's trying to get away from things because he got trapped in that swamp earlier in Act 1? <laughs> you know, like this really cheap setup and payoff yeah. kind of thing. Those things work really well in in some films, but I think in this it's really authentic. It's you know like Marvel, for example, they're kind of they're almost made. They're very formulaic in many ways, and they're made by committee. And I know we love Marvel films, but it's it is easy to see. Oh the yeah, problems. I mean there is the and there's there's there is a formula that they have there yeah. at Marvel that can be like I watched Shang Chi not so long ago, and yeah. it was okay. I'd heard yeah. it was meant to be this really great. Marvel film and I watched it and went oh well I've seen that film before <laughs> yeah like most MCU films you go well that's a decent enjoyable romp 6 or yeah. 7 out of 10 kind of thing but you know things like Guardians of the Galaxy he regrets not holding his hand out to his mum as she's dying and then at the end Gamora wants oh no yeah Gamora is saying hold my hand Yeah. so he holds his hand it's like well why would he not hold her hand of course he's gonna you're just trying to find a parallel there to make the, the third act look like you meant it in the first act to yeah. make a coder of some kind yeah. and I think what's great about this film it doesn't fall into any of those kind of hack uh, tricks but you, you think know. I might find some of that you th- no, you think I like that, but I well, so I think what, you'll appreciate that. So, but so I what, think what you, I like. you won't get as much. I think you won't get as much satisfaction from the film because it it doesn't satisfy like that. You know, I think it's quite possible that we've sort of covered in the past that I feel like you you prefer more conventional films um, with a conventional kind of like resolution and so on. And this film does resolve itself. It's not like they just go out into the woods and you wonder what happens. There is a resolution that ends the thing. But yeah, there's just something a little bit more indie inflected in this that I think it's possible that you won't love this film. I would be surprised if you give it more than 7 out of 10. I would be more surprised if you gave it less than 6 out of 10. So I'm, I feel fairly comfortable you being that. Okay. But I genuinely don't know what Hugh thinks. Listener, think for yourself. What do you think Hugh thinks? You know, if you've listened to a lot of our episodes, maybe you'll have a, a, as good a handle on this as me. So we're going to find out anyway. We've waited long enough. We are thoroughly intrigued. So we'll go for a quick break. Join us after the break to find out Hugh's views. Hello and welcome back to the second part of Please Watch This. I've done enough talking. Hugh, what's your view on Green Room? On Green Room. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to just start with a complaint that the Green Room wasn't green. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just just an observation uh, <laughs> so so presumably you st- you switched it off after 15 minutes yeah I mean yeah no stars yeah <laughs> um, so anyway so that joke bad joke aside oh yeah if that fell on that fell like an absolute yeah like a lead bullet that went down like a lead <laughs> yeah. balloon yeah. I'm sorry about the listener they've said they've said <laughs> don't apologise you make all sorts of shit jokes um, so going back shame about them we mentioned didn't we we were talking about um, Blue Ruin and how I didn't really like that film as much as you did and where you saw some absolute classic indie revenge flick I just saw a bit of a melodrama between rednecks Um, and whilst I appreciated the qualities of that film and like you know some of the stuff in it like you know like the main character wasn't this guy who had you know trained his whole life to be this this um, revenge killer the guy who killed his parents he just ended up becoming you know um, a homeless man and you know it, it was almost very real effects of bereavement 
of important people in a young person's life, you know, where his sister had kind of was able to move on, he wasn't, and it affected him deeply. And that character, yeah, he's not ex CIA Creasy, uh, played by Denzel, uh, no, getting revenge, he's just no. Macon Blair, some sort of yeah, uh, dumpy guy, yeah. Um, so and so I thought, oh, well, it's the same guy, maybe it's not going to be as good, maybe it's not, maybe it's going to be a bit like. You know, a bit like that. Maybe it's you know, I'm not going to appreciate it. maybe the way Sam does, and we're going to have this, you know, Sam basically going, "You just don't appreciate films, Hugh." <laughs> you know, argument. That is a weekly or bi-weekly occurrence. I yeah, would say. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, however, this I frigging loved this film. So oh, this film was absolutely. I've written. On. I've literally written him. I will. I've literally written in my notes. <laughs> In capital letters, very tense. Oh, once they yes. Get, Listener, once... get by the fireside, take your trousers off, settle in. <laughs> Go on, so here, once us, give it to us. they get put in that green room, like you can feel there's something a little off, can't you? Once <laughs> they get there, because yeah. they are, like you said, at this Nazi's compound. <laughs> and, you know, they open, the, they open up with, is it... Uh, is it a song called Fuck Off Nazi Punks or something? Punk, uh, yeah, um, is, Nazi Punks Fuck Off. That's it, Nazi yeah. Punks Fuck Off, which I had never heard, which has instantly become one of my favourite songs ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like and, how, and what a ballsy uh, move to include it. It's a, it's yeah. a Dead Kennedys cover, and uh, Jeremy Solnier was saying, you know, you never, even in any film, you never write in a specific song because who knows if you get the rights. So yeah. they just wrote a nice letter to Dead Kennedys saying, can we please use it? Really? And they went for it, yeah. Yeah, so. That that was uh, I really enjoyed that that aspect of it. But yeah, <laughs> what so a ballsy you, move from yeah. So they come. So um, so yeah. They, uh, Feel free to insert a, a, a bit of the of the song here. So you already get the feeling that there's a bit of tension because some of them are like some of the more hardcore skinheads kind of shout them, throw bottles, boo at them, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I really like that bit. But yeah, as soon as they get put in that green room and you know that they're in danger and you you know their life is at threat, you just oh, it's so like what is going to happen next? Your mind is racing, thinking, well, what would I what? They're fucked. <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely yeah. done in for you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, I just, I just really enjoyed the first hour of this film is quality. I really enjoyed it. I have to say, um, and you mentioned it in your part. No one in this film acts like an idiot. I think the only <laughs> criticism you'd have of maybe of a decision that somebody makes is when uh, Anton Yelchin's character Pat, when he decides to actually try and phone the police. Like, mm. instead of just a me, like, if it was me, I would pick that phone and I would run out of that room as fast as I can. Yeah, yeah, don't and, slow yourself down with the phone. Yeah. yeah, and hope that all the other people with me realised I would shout, run! <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, shit's gone down and we have to leave now. And I would run out and hope that I survived, essentially, because, you yeah. know, when you're in that It's still a fairly natural response, though, isn't it? Yeah, why he phones the police and thinks something's going to good is going to come of it or they're going to be everything's going to be okay at that point is a bit it's, it was a peculiar decision but like I said and I, I even liked I like the way they handle that like where they get the two you know oh, he's like yeah. it's like what do you need and you go you know a true believer and then he goes two true believers or whatever yeah you know yeah. so he gets and what these two lads are willing to or one lad's willing to stab the other and all this crazy stuff so yeah, I I liked that the the antagonists were scary, but they were very they were very thought out characters in them sense because there was a sense you know when the the two skinheads come to try and finish them off at the end. Yeah, they they've only got three rounds in their shotgun. They've only you know they're like they're afraid of making the mistakes that could lead them to getting. In, they're almost like they're not almost concerned for the life. They're more concerned with messing up and what Darcy thinks. Do you know that kind yeah. of way? And it's great that he's not just like the biggest one there. 
He's like I say, this Gus Fring character. Yeah, he's the smartest the one there, isn't he? He's the adult in the room. Yeah, I mean, there's the bit where he um, he says to Macon Blair, he just pushes his head against the wall, doesn't he? He goes, because they're smarter than you or something, he says. Yeah. And but then he apologises because he's not like that. Yeah, because he's that guy, isn't he? He's the... He's got he, as much or more hatred and anger in him and uh, and all that because he's, you know, the head Nazi. Yeah. Um, but he, he knows that to, the way to do it is to be meticulous and in control of your emotions. Yeah. Great casting, by the way. They only got him 10 days before shooting. Wow, really? Yeah. And it was, um, they just joined a management company and they said, oh, we can ask Patrick Stewart for you if you like. And Jeremy Solnier was like, if you want. <laughs> I was never going to, and I didn't know we could aim that high. <laughs> apparently he read it in his, uh, in his home out, like out in the country and went around and locked all the doors. When he got to <laughs> really? Page 40, which is where they're just about stuck in the, in the green room, yeah. the arms slashing and all that. Locked all the doors, finished it and immediately called him. And I'm going to be, <laughs> yeah. I want to be in this film 10 yeah. days before film. Wow. And again, yeah. I like, even with Patrick Stewart's character is he's, he's got stakes in this. He's not killing them because, oh, they've witnessed a murder by one of their members and they're trying to cover up this murder. That he's like, no, we've got a heroin plant underneath that room, <laughs> yeah. and if the cops come and find this, that's you know he says that's much bigger. Yeah, he basically belittles that guy, doesn't he? he? Goes, you might go out of business tonight, but more importantly, I might go out of business tonight. Yeah, you know he's thinking of the bigger the bigger picture, and like any good crime boss would, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, I really like. And he is quite scary in this film. And he, you know, even though he's like in his, he must have been his seventies or maybe even, you know, I think he would have been in his seventies when he made this late seventies. He must be around that. I mean, well, he's what is he now? About eighty? Early eighties, yeah. I say, well, well, frantic. Yeah, you can go. You have a look. Yeah, he's, he's now eighty-one. So yeah, yeah. Been in. And Murfield, born and bred, as we all know. Yeah, represent. West Yorkshire represent. So. That was it. Is good casting. the The whole cast are really good. Obviously, like you said, Joe Cole's in there. Um, you know, if you took out Anton Yelchin, Joe Cole, and Patrick Stewart, and you just put in random actors, and obviously took out Macon Blair because I knew who he was, I'd be like, are "You sure this is a film and not a documentary? <laughs> a snuff movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, he's got Alia Shawcat, of course. Uh, her. Oh, no, not not her. Sorry, not her. That's uh, that's Anne uh, off of uh, Arrested Development. Cousin, maybe. Oh, is that her? Oh, yeah. I see. Oh, I didn't realise that was her. Um, it's very visceral. I wrote, which you know, it's yeah. it's one of those things where I really, I kind of, as I've got a little bit older, I really like films that have they have acts of violence, but they're so. They're so short and realistic. They're not yeah, the like box cutter up the stomach is. Oh, oh god, yeah, and viscera, viscera, yeah, literal viscera, viscera. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know these. There's someone I don't know where I got this idea from. I think it was somebody was talking about a film. It's, it's like the consequences of horrific acts of violence. Yeah. You know, and it only takes a second. You know, like one of the most shocking scenes in the film is when the the guy who's the skinhead who turns against who turns against them because I think it's his girlfriend or something That's right. or, yeah. or it was Daniel, the girl I think he's called yeah was he or he was going to run away with that girl That's right. and I kind of lost I lost a little bit of the plot in that bit to be honest which I could have done with subtitles on my version I didn't have it's uh, yeah. it's not one it's not one for the kind of audio purists no it's not and that's a little criticism I probably have I'll speak about in a bit but yeah, he and you know, there's that shocking moment where he just gets his head blown off. Oh, and that's I mean, that is so unexpected because he, oh, he's it? about to say, I know, where they the... don't know, I know where the bang and just like caved in, not like comedy blood, no, just he gets his head caved in by this, these by this sh- the shotgun, yeah, and it's yeah. like that's a classic sort of you know, the old um, is it seconds from. Obliteration or destruction or yeah. a bad thing happening. It was that was one of those moments, and you and that was like, what the fuck just happened there? Sort of. And again, moment. your mind is racing. What do we do? Yeah. Do we run back? <laughs> yeah. Um. So. So yeah. So I. I. I liked the idea in this. Do you know what the thing I didn't like about Blue Ruin is? I do like revenge films, and I kind of liked and I liked parts of Blue Ruin, but I didn't see anything new. I just saw a film that was an indie film about rednecks killing each other. Yeah. Which was fine, but I could, I've seen enough revenge films over the years. Where with this, this felt quite a fresh idea to me, where it was, they're 
they're not they're not um they're not trapped and the enemies are trying to get into the house they're in a room <laughs> you know yeah. they're in this yeah. one little place and they're in a a serious situation and then you've got the crazy bits with like them giving the gun but keeping the bullets and then you know him talking about it being an unregistered a firearm again like you said thinking about the bigger picture mm-hmm. um, but but he's not just thinking about the bigger picture but he's also thinking about you know disarming them and them having that debate yeah. about he needs a palatable way to explain why we want the gun off you yeah it's just great because he's not shouting at the door we're going to kill you it's yeah. no this is all going to be fine make on Blair at no point says we're going to kill you it's just like no it's fine just just get in there lock the door we'll figure yeah. it out yeah. really they just want to lure them away so they can kill them off sight and get yeah. them in the you know trespassing yeah um, yeah and this is and then like you said about you know there is a part to what you said you know there isn't much character development I feel like Pat character they kind of he's not as interesting as the other men in I think he's the least interesting character in the band the rest all seem to have something more interesting about them like their lead singer is he's clearly quite an explosive violent guy you know he threatens the um, the guy at the beginning when he tries to ask for more money he gets into a a little fight with some other guy. He says something offhand about his girlfriend, or he says, I, I didn't I even catch what he Yeah, said. I didn't catch it either, and I should have rewound it, but I, d- I try not to rewind when I'm watching a film because it kind yeah, of takes yeah. you out at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so what was I saying? So, yeah, so there's like, there there is enough character there that when these characters do die, I was dead. I was gutted. I'm like, I really because yeah. I knew it was a Jeremy Solnier film, and I'm like, there's no way. Especially because you go, oh, they're he, just not. He he's just not that kind of I director. Won't, I won't live to seventy. I go, well, you're fucking dying, then aren't you? <laughs> 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 yeah, and I was just sat thinking, I really wanted them all to. I really wanted it to subvert my expectations <laughs> of what a Jeremy Solnier film is, and I wanted them to survive. I wanted. I was like, well, maybe, maybe they will. I was like, you know, hoping beyond hope. I was like oh maybe they'll like all the blood and gore will actually be them killing off you know the goons coming in to kill them but yeah as soon as like even like when that guy gets um, like when the first two get attacked the guy by the dog and the guy who jumps through the window and gets stabbed to death I was like (laughs) you know maybe he's still alive and he can survive and I was like and the blood's splitting out of his out of his throat I'm like yeah, yeah, my brains. I was like, maybe it's still he's good. It's still survive. good. And I was like, oh, yeah, but that's his. Yeah, that's his jugular. That's pumping, yeah. gushing blood. There, Hugh. He's he's done for. And yeah, like like even with um, Sam when she gets it from the dog again, I was like, she yeah. aims the shotgun, and you think, oh, she's going to kill the dog. And I and at that point, I was like, oh, well, maybe these three survive. <laughs> and I was like, oh, classic, don't kill the women. But they wouldn't the kill the spunky are... woman who's like pretty cool and all that. Nope, dead. Yeah, she's and again, she's not. She's the. She's actually quite smart because she uses the fire yeah. hydrant. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the extinguisher. Sorry, yeah, the fire extinguisher, not the fire hydrant. What about? <laughs> um, okay, I'm off to bed after this. <laughs> so yeah, so I really enjoyed all that stuff. Uh, just a very tense film. I liked the idea. It felt quite original. I just had a not a, a good time, a hard thing to have with these films because of the, the what's in them. But I enjoyed the film. Yeah, I enjoyed. It was. It had me wanting to watch it and carry on. And I mean, the goal of the film is to keep watching and wanting to yeah. find out what happens next, isn't it? And it, it does that. And I suppose, question. and I suppose, when those two first band members die, I was kind of, I did lose a little bit. It's almost like it's like you've done such a good job of me caring about these characters and them wanting me, wanting them to survive. That now that they're dead, I'm almost a little annoyed at that and not wanting to watch it. So it's it's like a it's like a criticism of the film in a sense that it annoyed me but that's not a bad thing if that makes sense do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah uh, so what we haven't talked about is what you didn't like is there a, is there a lot I'm not expecting a lot I literally wrote so the first hour's great what else I literally is, I literally wrote for this what's what I didn't like not much <laughs> um, oh great that is music to my I did ears. put I was sad when the band died because <laughs> I was and I, and I, <laughs> I feel like that was intended <laughs> yeah and I, I, yeah I really wanted them to survive but hey ho 
Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's good. I mean, it, you know, that's you didn't not like that about the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I hate Bambi because I hated it when the, the mum dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the filmmaker thinking? Yeah, but then again, if, if none of them died, you might go, "Well, they've set you up as yeah. a fake out plot armor." Exactly. Just full of plot so, armor. Yeah. But that's, again, I think that's more of a me problem. <laughs> but, but also, you I said like the them. first hour is amazing. Is it the second? That, I mean, it's a short film. It's not even oh, yeah. as, as in the, Were they just not as good? As in, like, when it gets down to just um, Anton Yelchin and Image and Poots, I was right. sad because it took away the other characters that I had was wanting to survive. Because, you know, you yeah. see them in this horrifically extreme situation and you don't want young you know young 20 summits to die awfully because that's that is and, and that's I think that's where the horror element of this film has been mislabeled because they kind of die in a sort of a horror fashion if that makes sense you know it's mm, very yeah. classic horror movie one teenager dies after the other almost even though they're not teenagers yeah there is definitely that element to it yeah and w- did you experience extra pangs of sadness knowing that Anton Yelchin basically died a year later I mean he's just a tragic he's just, just a tragic it's the irony of this film is the one actor who actually is dead in IRL um, does, does survive That's this survived. film yeah. Um, yeah true the only other thing I didn't like and it's more of a I, I don't know I just think it's he he's very he's very good in this film Patrick Stewart and I love him as the bad guy because he doesn't really play the bad guy anymore he he's done the odd bits and pieces here but he's very good at being the the noble patriarch there's that, there's that episode of Star Trek where he's the bad Picard of course yes when he's the Borg Locutus but that's not him that's the bad guys controlling him oh bullshit yeah bullshit man yeah. well it's Patrick Stewart yeah so and I quite I'm assuming he played his doppelganger no they got any stunt double <laughs> no, no stunt double yeah. <laughs> so I, I a bald cap on Ian McKellen you know he was very like ominous wasn't he and he very you know like you said cold calculated almost like a Gus Fring kind of character and he's very scary at night yes and when he's got 20 men all with guns and skinheads <laughs> and red laces and whatever on you know on the boots and all this and look like they're gonna fuck you up but but to me I was like this guy doesn't sound like he's from this place he sounds like Patrick Stewart he hasn't really lost his accent he hasn't tried to really affect an American accent and that took it out of it, it took it away from it a little bit I could I could I could buy that he's an Englishman who lives in America who's a neo-Nazi or whatever that's fine they could have mentioned that maybe but yeah I think he's the, he's the he's a good actor He's a great actor. You know, he's one of these few actors that maybe should have won shit that he hasn't won shit because he hasn't taken on those roles. Do you know what I mean? But he feels a little miscast because he didn't try to be American. Like, if he had, like, a really solid American Southern accent, I would have bought it hook, line, and sinker. And when he came out with a sort of an English twang to his accent, I was like, oh, that's a little... It kind of ticks you out of it because that's what I think... Jeremy Solier is so good at as he makes you believe in these redneck places <laughs> you know he he has that but it's it's a very minor criticism quite honestly it's just it's a little it's a bit like the other criticism I have about the sound and you mentioned it it's sometimes it is a bit of a mumbler it's a bit mumbling this film um, but it's not on tenet levels you know so not many films are yeah and, and Tenet's good with subtitles on. yeah with Patrick Stewart I wonder do you, know, if, do you get my point so... did you hear it yourself or am I just splitting hairs here well I almost thought thought not thought I almost thought that Englishness was kind of what gave him some authority in the same way that evil villains are often English yeah. and he's such a recognisable voice that if he'd have gone for a regional dialect or an, an accent, I wouldn't have bought it because I go, well, that's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So I kind of, I'm more comfortable with him being him, even just with a slight change to his, his voice. So for me, I liked it. Maybe if I sat down and, and was thinking, why is he there? Yeah. It would bug me. But maybe maybe if I was sitting down trying to find flaws with it, maybe, but not 
it's not a legitimate criticism for me. Right. No, that's fine. I can totally understand that. Yeah, it's it's just a the, the whole suspension of disbelief, isn't it? That we readily buy in when we see the same actors in different films, but yet when an actor who's playing somebody in a film but he doesn't have the accent of where he's supposed to be from that's the thing that makes me go oh I don't believe this it's weird isn't it yeah yeah. because yeah, I know he's not from there I know where he's from <laughs> you know I've seen him do a hundred over a hundred episodes of this TV show that I like and you know I've seen him in other good films but yeah it's just a, it's just a weird quirk isn't it that our brain plays out these little tricks but can't play it can play some tricks but not others on us you know <laughs> it is and it's it's so um subtle yeah it's like it's the old um, sort of Sean Connery thing of you know it doesn't matter where he says he's from he's always Scottish (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) even when he's from uh, where is he from in um, Red October Uh, Latvia Lithuania I think he talks about Riga that's Estonia Lithuania uh, Riga's Lithuania is it Estonia's Tallinn. Ah, you're right, yeah, yeah. Could be Lithuanian, yeah. Um, oh, he's from Vilnius in Latvia? No, he's from I mean, Vilnius, isn't he's, he? He's, yeah, he's, he's from Vilnius. He's Baltic. He's from Latvia, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter where he's from, because he's Scottish. But he's not, he's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, yeah, he's Scottish. He's Scottish. He doesn't mention where he got yeah, that from. Yeah, and he doesn't, like, do, like... Do you know what would have been really funny? If he tried to speak to Alec Baldwin's character in, uh, like, broken English... And did like a, yeah. when I was boy growing up, you know, if he'd done that, I would have loved that. That would have been such a, an interesting thing for him to do. Yeah, seems like Borat. Yeah, I just had a terrible thought. Is Vilnius in Lithuania or Latvia? I don't. Lithuania. He's Baltic. It's Lithuania. Vilnius is Lithuania. Yeah. Tallinn is a Riga is Latvia, and Riga. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, the more I think about it, the more you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, that, that's our review of uh, The Hunt for Red Killer Part 2. <laughs> um, I think what we need to do is talk about uh, Green Room favourite scenes, okay. my friend. Mine's probably, scene? I would imagine, the same as yours. And that is when he goes to hand over the gun and Imogen Poots' his character. What's she called again? Uh, Amber. Amber, yes. Amber looks, she's looking through the vent and the grill in the door. Yeah. And she sees the red laces, I think, and that's when she realises that they're going to kill them. And she shouts, yeah. I can't hear, see, this is a noise, I don't hear what she shouts, but she makes a noise of almost... They're coming, they're coming to kill yeah, us or something they're, like they're that. Yeah, they're going to kill us. Yeah, yeah. And, but at that point, he's put his hand through yeah. the door to give the gun, and then when he pulls his hand back and, he's at, and his wrist oh. is hanging off, oh. well... That is such such a good effect yeah and it's just just a right amount of gore oh it's beautiful was that was that your favourite scene as well it was um, the second one I wrote down and what I really liked actually was the Nazi punks fuck off yeah uh, and at the end when he says thank you that was a cover <laughs> slow mo ma- moshing yeah I, I really liked that to set up characters and set up the threat of this place but also the kind of weird respect of this place where if you go there and tell them to fuck off they sort of will throw bottles at you but they'll still they'll still dance while you're singing your next song to start you know basically to start the set with that I love that but yeah I mean it, it's uh, the Patrick Stewart talking through the door one as well I mean mm. not to keep talking about this interview with Jeremy Solnier but he says we filmed Patrick Stewart doing that but we really didn't show much of it because and we knew we weren't going to show much of it but we wanted to film it to put the heat on him so we you know to to make the performance really good but it's more threatening to just hear the hear his voice through the door they had to add a shot that they had done for coverage of Pat seeing Darcy walking away because they realized that the end doesn't make sense because he wouldn't recognize him uh, in the final scene because at no point did Pat and Darcy Inter- interact really in person like visually so he realised <laughs> while they were writing the script oh he hasn't actually seen him <laughs> and so they had to throw in a shot where he does look through the door at him walking away so he recognised him at the end oh right oh I see oh yeah you don't really think about that no because he's more obviously engaging with the proper skinheads who are actually going to try and do him some harm so they're both they're both great scenes they really don't they really are great scenes favourite line then there are some cool lines in this film yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was a classic for lines. No, it's not that quotable. But the one that was the most sort of haunting, I thought, was when the guy who murders their friend and he just goes, what was the second to last song you played? And he tells him the name of the song and he goes, oh. and then he just says the line, that's the one I did her to. 
when he's yeah, talking about cold murder in there. Yeah, and that that was very affecting. Yeah, I was like, dude, <laughs> that guy <laughs> that is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a proper Nazi. What about your son? There was some I liked. Uh, the one that um, I wrote down, there's not many if you look on IMDb. The one that I really like because I like this trope is the very end, the very last line when Pat says, I know what it is. Amber says, what? What is? And he says, my desert island band. And she says, tell someone who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because, you know, she wasn't privy to that conversation earlier in the film, no, for starters. No. And also, yeah, who gives a shit? And I really like these subverting kind of final lines that don't lean into the sentiment and become predictable. Like the film The Apartment. Uh, kind of spoiler alert for the apartment but I'll try and be as vague as I can be when it could be a romantic last line she just says show up and deal you know it's not like I love you it's more just mm. authentic without that yeah. tacked on sentiment I loved it uh, favourite shot the bit when the skinheads are dancing yeah the slow-mo yeah it's because yeah, do you know what some I, I've no, I, I don't think I've ever been in a skinhead mosh pit thankfully uh, <laughs> But we've all been in pits. I've been, in, been mosh in mosh pits, pits and, yeah, and it was, yeah. and it was the juxtaposition. It was actually the first time that favorite shot kind of juxtaposes itself with the the, the uh, non diegetic, as they say, music yeah. that's playing. Because instead of it, well, when you say they, you mean people who did media studies, there, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> not actual film people, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, when I say they, I mean the filmmakers. They yeah. they play the moshing in slow motion but they play like orchestral sort of yeah. lounge yeah. music and it must have been tempting to just play the actual song at the time yeah yeah it lent it a certain uh, balletic yes air. yes some like a, an air of gravitas to a mosh pit which yeah it was I've never felt so like I've had those feelings in mosh pits where you just you feel part of the mass you know but yeah. that yeah yeah but it's never with that music because that's not the music no, you mush to. You wouldn't mush to it. Uh, I think my favourite shot was the floppy wrist. Very effective. Oof. You know, it'll yeah. haunt me forever. Yes, beautiful shot. I will be beautifully shot film. Memorably shot. Oh yeah, you know, I mean that's that's a lot of his strength. He picks these really. Uh, Jeremy Solnier's. He's he's got an eye for the visual, hasn't he? And him and the makeup Blair love going into the woods for a, a final act, and yeah. and it, it lends well, especially when it's just the sun is just rising. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. So with that, we're going to go into a little break. When we come back, we'll find out the critical response. We'll find out Hugh's rating and a little bit of a quiz. So join us after the break. Exciting. Hello and welcome back to the final part of Please Watch This, uh, the Green Room episode. Hugh, before I give you the critical response, Sam. I've got a bit of a social media response, my friend. Oh, okay, let's go. So I asked people what their thoughts were on Green Room, and uh, Moritz Plattenkamp, apologies for my pronunciation, says that Green Room is a super refreshing take on the horror genre. Great flick. And I think it's fair to say we agree on that. I do, but uh, I don't think it's a horror film. <laughs> uh, Jake Fabian says one of my squirmiest watching experiences amazing movie oh I like that description yeah absolutely and uh, Ella Karina uh, says that they watch a shitload of horror movies all the time and the scene where his arm is stuck through the door is one of the hardest to watch ever for me worse than a lot of movies that set out specifically to be as gross and shocking as possible and mm. I think Ella's absolutely right so yeah I got just a little just a little bit of uh Oh, actually, let's go for one more. Colton Redmond says, I know everyone tends to prefer Blue Ruin, apart from, obviously, our esteemed colleague, Hugh. Um, Hello. <laughs> but I personally like this one more. It's amazing how accurate they are to punk culture in this, and Patrick Stewart is absolutely horrifying in this great flick. Um, yeah, Jeremy Solnier is a, uh, you know, was in a punk band, so I think he's he used a lot of his friends' bands' music uh, for it, so it makes perfect sense. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I was surprised. I saw on IMDb that... This has only got 7 out of 10, and Blue Ruin had 7.1. Mm. I think this is a far superior film. I think for indie viewers, Blue Ruin has a sort of something about it that's more indie perhaps, but Metacritic, 79% for this film, it really is It really is like, liked by a lot of people. I um, think the only reason it gets they get compared against each other is because it's the same director. Yeah, same director, diff- similar visual style. In yeah, in, indie art house kind of vibe, but, but yeah. they're not... They're not the same. They're not. They're not. They they share other than the director and Macon Blair as a 
like actor producer they don't share anything the, the stories are different yeah so yeah. The, it's yeah. it's almost like a false it's a moot point isn't it there's no point comparing them yeah well one person who liked it was Jason Gorber from IndieWire who gave it a oh. 100% review I think it's is it 5 or 10 stars on IndieWire I can't quite remember I don't know he says that the film is at its best when it refuses to linger avoiding sentimentality or heavy handedness in favour of unrelenting drama yet as things go from bad to worse Solnia displays noticeable restraint avoiding the pitfall of letting things spiral away from the core themes the final shot balances nicely with the first one a consistency far too rare in films of this type as a robust drama, Green Room holds its own while never shying away from being gruesome or provocative. Though the level of violence may well leave some queasy, this is a colourful and effective work that deserves an audience wider than just the usual genre film crowd. And uh, he says that it's uh, Solnier's closest achievement uh, close, mm. uh, to uh, to matching the, um, the, the phrase of... Uh, hang on a sec. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he says it's... Um, it's not a masterpiece, but it's the closest Solnier's got to a masterpiece. Right, I see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's the the it. It's not the violence is is real. It's not it's not shocking for shocking sake, is it? Yeah, and there is a place for that sort of comedy, blood, Django Unchained kind of thing, you know. Uh, but and yeah, Viva yeah. for example, but it's a very different kind yeah. of kind of film. Um, there was a review that was one out of four stars, but there wasn't much quotable criticism of it in that review so I've not used that instead I've gone for Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post who gave it 50% he said in short there's a human element that's lacking from the film giving it the rote mechanistic feel of an exercise without consequence we've come to expect movie villains to be impersonal almost interchangeable but not heroes after a point the band members turn into generic victims as in so many horror films but it's hard to feel much connection with people we know nothing about other than the names of their desert island bands Right, and I think he misses the point. I get his point. It's kind of like I get his yeah, point, we but... don't we don't have a whole backstory and why we should care about yeah. this person's got a sick grandma. It's an, in, it's an indie film though, <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not cookie cutter. It's not you know. But indie films are about character, aren't they? I suppose. And the character the is revealed by action, not by just telling us they're a good person, telling us they're a bad person, telling us they've got some stake in something. You just you just find out what they're like, you know. That's it, isn't it? You you kind of have to make up your own mind on that. I, it's one of those where I get I get what he's saying, and I don't one hundred percent disagree with him. I just don't think I think maybe this film maybe it isn't so much about character, but 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 tension and dread. Yeah, the character is secondary, and it's the situation. And yeah, and there is character imbued. I think there is character in the 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 villains. They're not, you know, they're not cut and paste no. you know Machiavellian you know they're not sort just of, all henchmen are they because they're all very different in their motivation I mean they are henchmen by definition yeah almost but they're, they're you know they, they're Dr. Evil henchmen yeah they're not these yeah you know you feel like you do almost feel bad for the guy who gets shot in the neck and the head yeah. because he is worried about making a mess of killing these people <laughs> you know and getting in trouble and it's such a random element to add do you know what I mean it's yeah. so, but that, I think that's where that's the difference between good writing and top tier quality writing yeah. and I think this is top tier I almost feel I bad for him called Big Justin you know, the, 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 big, the big guy that holds him I feel bad that he dies almost because he's what, the one who gets a knife to the throat yeah the, well the, the box cutter to the to the stomach that guy oh, I him. almost feel bad oh, for him oh right sorry yeah you know even though he's, um, he's a bad guy who's basically a bouncer for Nazis I sort of yeah. I sort of don't want him to die I want everyone to just go about their way I mean the, that review referenced something that I've been wanting to ask you what is your Desert Island band you get one band or artist, that's it. Oh, gosh. So, listener, No, I don't, yeah, in. this could be a lot of dead air for about ten minutes here. So, just Let talk me, me through your thought process. Who are the names that are coming to mind that you can filter down? Uh, it's basically a toss-up between you two and Radiohead in my head. You two are that high? Really? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, didn't, I, I didn't have you down as such yeah. a YouTube fan. Yeah, I do like them. I know it's sad and that, but they've got a lot of songs that I can listen to um, I'm just well I'm thinking kind of yeah just the amount of songs you know maybe that yeah. I can enjoy and 
you know, I can listen to basically, I've, I've, I can listen to like three Radiohead albums quite happily. <laughs> and that's going to take up a good couple of hours. You know, there's, I can listen to like all the great. You two hits and that could take up a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's between those two and I can't decide. Interesting, interesting. What I about mean, you? Yeah, Radiohead make it to my shortlist, Jimi Hendrix experience. I think I've yeah. got to consider that if I can only listen to one band, Radiohead are going to make me, never going to make me joyous, but they'll, yeah. they'll fill me with all kinds of beauty. The Smiths get a look in as well for me yeah. on my, my shortlist. Yeah, the Smiths, you two, and probably Radiohead are the three bands, but. Thin Lizzy also has a bit of a chance as well, but they don't. Thin Lizzy are very good, but they only had about six or seven bangers. That's it, and you know it's for the rest of your life. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this, I mean, it's a, it's an endless debate. Um, Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and Radiohead. You know, Nirvana could get in there as well, even though they didn't have that many uh, not big hits. No, they're not in that yeah. bracket for me. But yeah, I'll say Jimi Hendrix experience. Oh no, I'll say Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin it is. Lock, yeah, because it doesn't. Have, well, it doesn't have to be an album. It can be a band. It's the band. It's, it's the whole. So it can be all their songs. Yeah, and I think. Got I think. Great. I think if we're just going for, obviously, I think maybe Radiohead have produced more yeah. than you two. And Radiohead gets better the more you listen albums. to it. You know, King of Limbs. I thought, what the fuck have they done here? Three listens later, it's my favorite of their albums. <laughs> Rid- See, my Rainbows, problem is I thought, Rid- what the fuck is this? It's now my favorite album. They're all my favorite album now. Kid A. My, still my, my problem album with now. Radiohead is I haven't really listened to Kid A and In Rainbows. Because do, it. do it. You'll hate were, it. You'll hate it I know, for the first I know. three listens and it'll be your favorite. Do it it's because it's that weird thing of they were a rock band and then they became like a techno infused yeah. sort of but they do it better than anyone post rock band yeah, yeah. And so listener, I don't know what you'd listener, call I'm gonna, lev- I'm gonna level with you listener we've never had an email <laughs> in two years we've never had an email <laughs> if you're gonna email yeah. at any point email us who is your desert island band and why yeah, do it please film podcast please what is the email address you well we're at it's, it it's uh, it's please watch this dot pod at gmail.com so please send us our first email other than my friend yeah. who said we should do Fifty Shades of Grey but we've both seen it already so we couldn't and then yes. that was, it was a shame we couldn't yes. actually email. but that's the only email we've ever had other than people yeah. wanting to get money off us um, yeah so you yeah so I think <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably so go we'll go with, with Radiohead it's decided no I think I think I'll go with you too um, the other big question I've got for you is how many oversized cartridges out of ten would you give this film well five according to the film because <laughs> more won't fit in the gun but out of ten oh, got two guns. oh that's that is musical yeah I can't decide Eight or nine, I'll, to, I'll take to give it a nine. I'd have to watch it again in maybe six months' time. And see still how I still think about it. it's great. That's brilliant. so. I'm going to give it. I'm going to do a first for this show. I'm going to give it a provisional eight. Ooh, and, and see what I think about later on. I'll keep asking you every single week. It, it, well, ask me. Did so? What's he done since this then, Jeremy Sonia? Because obviously this is like six years old now. It so. is. I don't think he's he done something a else. Film since this. I know we've had the whole. You know the the dark times with Corona, so <laughs> that might have kiboshed a couple of years of work. Or did this just not make enough money, and they've kind of gone, "Well, good luck to your sort of Hollywood thing." Oh, he uh, directed a film called Hold the Dark, which I haven't seen. Oh, that's right. Never yeah, I forgot about that. And TBA is Rebel Ridge, which he wrote, directed, and produced. So Hold the Dark, I haven't seen. I need to. Mm. Uh, I need to get on that. I'm three years behind. Maybe that'll be a future episode. Perhaps if it's as good as this, yeah. I'm down for it. Like I see, kind of almost more now why you like Blue Ruin more. If that makes sense, that is such because, a compliment to this film that it makes another film better in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, because if you can make this film, then obviously there mustn't Blue Ruin can't be a like. I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't. It's not that I don't get it because I get it because I'm not. I've got eyes. I can see. I just. I don't know it's just I felt there was something different in this something a little yeah. new that wasn't in Blue Ruin maybe we'll do another rewatch you know you rewatch there we'll be glad I watch I rewatched Empire maybe episode 150 or something we'll, we'll consider something. that something yeah well, maybe we could do another rewatch yeah let's see how well you remember this film I've got let's some see. questions for you here okay. my first question to you is what is the name of the band oh, I read this as well and I can't remember it The Ain't Right well done 
Yeah, and I love that he says, where the ain't rights or the art rights doesn't matter. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just like, fuck it, they're not there for a record deal it's just in the moment. That... We, we didn't really talk about that, but that is a great thing. Yeah. They are punk. They're just not in it. They for are the money punk, and so yeah. on. Um, This question is potentially difficult, although I made sure that I mentioned this during the episode. Who was okay. Nazi punk's fuck-off originally by? The Dead Kennedys. Well done. And I love that he just says, thank you, that was a cover. Okay, yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Question three, what flag is hanging on the wall of the green room? Confederate flag? Well done, yeah. Is that an educated there's guess? Also, that there's also that awful neo-Nazi flag, isn't there, as yeah. well? The circle with the weird little feet, like, kicking just out of pathetic, it. Just pathetic, man. Uh, question four, what is the yeah. name of the dead girl? I want to say Emily. And you'd be right in saying Emily. Well done. So far, four out of four. Can you get this last one? Get the clean sweep. What is the bite command for the dogs? Oh. Because it's in German, I'll give you a close approximation. It's something flesh, isn't it? It's like... You're in the right ballpark. It's like Fleisch. Well, Fleisch is mentioned... Uh, and it's kind of like the first that. Bit. I don't remember the first bit. So it's actually Fass. Fass. Uh, but Fleisch is mentioned when they say, what's, what does Fleisch mean? And, and as anybody who did German for five years at school, like me, but forgot everything, will tell you it does mean meat, or as she says, flesh. That was actually a backup question. What does Fleisch mean? What's, uh, what's Fass then? Fass. Quick. I think it means bite. Uh, Quick is schnell. Makes sense. I knew there was going to be some German in this. Just... Out, off the bat I was like oh well skinheads neo-nazis yeah, there's always a bit German. of German yeah uh, so I just googled it it says barrel that's not right I'm pretty sure it means bite <laughs> or something like that anyway it's faster word okay. no, it's not in the Scrabble dictionary um, anyway so you got 4 out of 5 <laughs> a pretty respectable 4 out of 5 which is basically yeah. what you gave this film 4 out of 5 yeah I imagine the questions for that were quite hard they were. They were a tr- bit tricky, <laughs> it has to be said. Yeah. Well, Some films really don't lend themselves to questions. No, they do. They're not, you just got to no, come up really with all I did like the fact that you asked me the name of the band because it's not really mentioned that often. And it was, it, yeah, it's pretty I quite enjoyed it. I was <laughs> like, oh, God, yeah, what were they called? <laughs> yeah. It's That's a cool great. name for a punk band. Though, it is isn't a it? really good punk band name. I, um, would, I, I would actively like that as a punk band, but they were saying, I think I read a bit of that trivia you, know, you were talking about with the interview and that. Oh, yeah. And apparently, like, it was saying about Joe Cole had never two of the actors had never played an instrument before right. in their life basically yeah. but they and played Joe it too. Cole there's learned a, the drums there's a great behind the scenes footage of them playing at the cast party they played yeah. and they really worked hard at, at getting that right yeah Joe Cole had never played drums before uh, but, but uh, Anton Yelchin and Alia Shawkat had played their instruments before and, I mean Alia Shawkat only joined five days before filming she was kind of a male character she came as a woman to do it and they went yeah, this this is much better. Yeah, yeah, it probably adds it adds it it it's weird because as soon as you put like another like more than one female character into these situations, you're like, well, she's fucked. Yeah, one, <laughs> one of them has to die because one of them yeah. has to survive. What I really loved about this film is just the final thing is that you could watch the film. It starts as just this road movie. And I kind of like mm. their lifestyle of just, well, we'll siphon some gas. Yeah, I almost would have liked, I could have, I, yeah, I thought that. I, you know, when after they do the first song, I was like, oh, I could just watch them do this gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be a two and yeah. a half hour film. The first hour is the road trip. <laughs> then yeah, it, yeah, it could be very dust till dawn, just switches on a dime <laughs> or something. I could even watch a film about them, yeah, going around, you know. And yeah, like, I don't think it's, like, obviously the horror, or the, the, terror elements of this you know I, I, it's just such a crying shame isn't it about Anton Yelchin you know oh, because it just does feel like a talent he was a ta- very talented man and you know I would have loved to have seen what he well, got on to do of, you know? uh, he had the reputation to to be put into a lot of great roles only 27 bless him five years five years since he died Tw- I mean, yeah, that, he was... That, was a, that was a year for celebrity death 2016 but that was a surprising one yeah, 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 yeah. You're with me as well. Yeah, it was basically yeah, but same as you. Uh, let's uh, ask you a, a big yeah. question then, Hugh. Would you recommend this film? 
I would, Sam. I would sort of recommend it because I think it is accessible in that... I don't think it's a horror film, but I could recommend it to people who maybe wouldn't watch it as an indie film but would That's watch right. it as a horror I'd be surprised film. if you would recommend it after the review you've given. The next question I've got for you is... Yeah. It, uh, uh, yes, what film are we going to watch next week? Well, Sam, uh, this is actually going to be the last ever episode of the podcast. I'm oh, not watching film cheers. next week, so good luck to you. Yeah, nice one. No, Say something controversial. Only faking listeners. Then we can get cancelled instead of uh, quitting. Uh, I'm not a quitter. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so next week. Um, so it's got a similar vibe to a film we recently watched in uh, Man on Fire, but um, I thought we'd go to this film next. And it's a film called Gone Baby Gone from, I think, about... 2010 maybe yeah it feels that sort of time 2010 2011 might be 2008 somewhere in this four year window I am (laughs) furiously googling Sam tell me what you know about uh, about nothing nothing I mean I I knew it was an Affleck thing but I didn't know I mean when you mentioned it Oh, no, 2007. 2007. When you mentioned Sorry. it, I checked on Netflix if it was there. Yeah, so I, I saw Casey Affleck's in it and uh, Ben Affleck. And I think Morgan Freeman was mentioned in it or something like that. Um, but I, yeah. I don't know. The fact that you've mentioned Man on Fire means probably a young girl gets kidnapped. But I really don't know anything about this film. And I think I didn't watch it because it it, it, it seemed a bit... I had a feeling it was a bit bland. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, ready to be... Were you worried I'm ready to be boring, bland man film? Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Except we'll find out next week what Sam thinks about uh, Gone Baby Gone. Hopefully you like it as much in as the I like Green Room. If they, can tell us, uh, if they want to tell us their desert island bands, what they think of Green Room, what they think of Gone Baby Gone, if they rate Ben Affleck as, uh, ben Affleck as a director, how could they do that, Hugh? So what they need to do, Sam, is they need to yep. join a punk band, um, they need to get some gigs, and then potentially, you know, if they come across a murder or the aftermath of a murder and just for whatever reason decide to try and phone the police and get trapped in the green room yeah. of said venue, which happens to be the compound of some but it's far got an right internet neo-Nazis, connection the computer. what they need to... Yes, what they need to do before they call for help from the police, uh, before they're brutally murdered, they need to email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com now Sam if you can think of a better way to do that well I advise they still do all that Uh, but if it's got an internet connection uh, get get at us on twitter at please watch pod is is an alternative suggestion yes Yes. please watch pod indeedy doody Sam let's go to our respective green rooms aka our homes and I'm not leaving this trailer until I get a trailer yes Yes. Listen, we love you. I'll okay. talk at you next week. Hugh. He loves you. Right. We'll talk to you next week. Both of us will. Cool. That's the plan. Bye! Bye. Nailed it.